0: to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Many times I start my sermon with a question so you can start thinking about where we're headed what God wants to speak to us about. And I've got a series of questions for you this morning. And the first one is, what are you looking for? So I'm not looking for anything. I'm sitting here in church. Well, I don't mean literally looking for like you lost your keys, your phone. I was talking with somebody the other day. I remember one day I was uh, at home and I needed to get out the door. I was running later than I wanted to be to get somewhere. And I'm talking, I'm saying, I got to go and I can't find my phone. I was talking on it. I was searching everywhere for my phone because usually I have it in my pocket or somewhere. And I had it in my hand. I've heard people do that with their glasses on top of their head. Whatever. But that's not the kind of looking for I'm talking about. What are you looking for? What are you pursuing? What are you seeking? What are your goals? What is really important to you? Because all those things are related. Now, there's a great test to find out what is really important to you because you can say something's important to you because you want it to be, but it really isn't. The test for what's really important to you is what you spend your time on and what you give your money to or spend your money on. Now, this is not a sermon about money. Don't get nervous. But that's a really good test for what's important to you, what you spend your time on and what you spend your money on. And there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of great possibilities for many people. And and you can have a number of things that are important to you. In fact, all of us do. For some, one of the most important things is relationships. And you can really branch that out. You know, your relationship with God is important to you. Your relationship with your spouse, if you have one. Your relationship with your family members. Your desired relationship with a spouse can lead you to seek. Whole other sermon. Relationships. Some people, like we saw in this Convoy of Hope video, are so overwhelmed with the circumstances of life that the most important thing to them right now is just to have their needs met. Because they're not sure if they're going to be. For most of us, though, it may not be having our needs met, but our desires, the things that we want. And that's different for each one of us. That's what's most important. I want to have my desires met. And for some, that's money and the things it can buy. All right? Another thing is people may say, well, you know, my most important... I just want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in my world. I want to make a difference in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in the kingdom of God. Great goals. Some says, my, one of my most important things, I want to look good. Some of you laughed. And we'd say, oh, that's not really that important to me. Well, how much time do you spend looking good? I'm not saying it takes ladies longer. It doesn't take them longer. They just... Care more about that, I think. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Looking good. Popularity. Some say, I want to have good health. They spend a lot of time working on their diet, exercising, that kind of thing. For some, the most important thing is, I just want to be comfortable. Whatever makes me comfortable. Whatever makes me happy. Whatever brings me pleasure. Some people pursue power, some prosperity. There's a lot of overlap there. And that's just a short list, but it covers a lot of the major ones of things that are important to people, things that people seek, things that people pursue. And that introduces this new sermon series. It's just going to be a four-week sermon series at this point. I could change that. And the title of the series, and I felt like this is where God wanted us to go here at the beginning, is Seek First. Seek First. Seek First. Our key texts we'll refer back to each week is Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? We're going to talk about that this morning. But Jesus said, seek first. Seek first. We know what it means to seek. It means to Search for, to strive for, to direct your attention to, to pursue, to make a long and consistent effort to try to find and get something. Now I thought, how could I really summarize that? And I just came up with two words. Passionate pursuit. To seek something, to really seek it. A passionate pursuit. And the second word, first, what does that mean? It means not just like the first in a list. You know, like, well, today I've got a number of things I'm going to do, but first I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to go eat, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to give blood. Say, so where'd that come from? That's actually what I'm going to do this afternoon. But they're going to be at Winn-Dixie. Just put a little commercial out there. They didn't ask me to. It's a good thing to do. If you don't have something to do this afternoon, go give blood. It helps people. I got sidetracked. Anyway, so you say, well, first I'm going to do this, right? Well, that's true, but... First also has the idea of priority. There may be things that are more important, but you don't do them first because you want to do them at a time that is better for that. I've, I've talked about that before as far as your personal devotion, spending time with God, reading his word in prayer. Many people do it early in the morning. But people that aren't morning people, that may not be the best time. And if you really want to put that first, you won't do it first. You'll do it later when you're more focused, less distracted, and that kind of So that's just an illustration. So what we're talking about, that which is most important, that we are going to pursue passionately, okay? We're going to do it more passionately, more diligently, more importantly than anything else. And that is something you have to choose. Only you can choose what you're going to seek first. So the title of the message today is, What Are You... Or what will you seek first? What will you seek first? A lot of things I mentioned on that list, they're great goals. A lot of them are things that we should pursue. God wants us to work hard and support ourselves and provide for our families. God wants us to invest in relationships, especially within families, but within the family of God. God wants us to pursue people that don't know Jesus and make an impact in their lives. And God's not against many of the other things that were mentioned too. But what will you seek first? Let's take a look at our passage in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what it says. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the people that don't know God. Okay? for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The main thought of this passage really is if you put God first, he'll meet all your needs. And that's not the main reason we should put God first, but it's just that reassurance. If we really do put God first in our lives, he will take care of us. We like to say he'll meet all of our needs, but maybe not all of our wants. And this is a great passage on why people that have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ don't have to worry. And I've used this passage several times to preach it and teach it. we got a couple people in our church that keep track of what I preach and teach. Actually, just write in Bible in their Bible whenever they hear a message on something. So I, I, I would imagine it's probably written in that Bible that I preached on this. But that's not really the focus I'm going to look at today. Because that phrase of don't be anxious certainly does mean don't worry. But it's deeper than that. It's got a wider connotation. It's not just... Don't let these things irritate you and get you all caught up and distracted in a mental and emotional worry type thing. That word also means things that because of your concern that you give yourself over to. Things that you pursue. pursue, Things that you focus on. Things that you make a priority. And to be honest with you, that's why you worry over them. If it wasn't a priority, you wouldn't worry. If it's not a priority to you that something happens this week, you're not going to worry about whether it does or not. So it's talking about priorities. And what Jesus is saying here is when you look at the priorities of your life and you find yourself pursuing them, and even to the point where you get anxious and uptight and that kind of stuff, he says you don't need to do that. Because you've got a heavenly father that cares about you and he wants what's best for you and he's going to meet your need. So what I want to focus on in this series and today in particular is what is so important to you that you worry about it, you're focused on it, you spend a lot of time dealing with it or trying to obtain it or maintain it. In our passage, Jesus mentions specifically food, drink, and clothing. It's a little bit harder for us to relate to that because we probably don't spend much time worrying, whether you're talking about the anxiousness or pursuing our next meal or something to drink or having something to wear. But the people that were listening to Jesus, this was much more significant because that's what their life was all caught up in unless they were very wealthy, which was there were very, very few, very wealthy people. The people of Jesus day and his environment, they were living day to day and every day. It was important for that day to make sure they had enough to eat and that they could get something to drink because, you know, we just turn on the tap, right? Well, or get a bottle of water. I remember when bottled water came out, I thought, that'll never sell because people can just get it out of their tap. <sighs> I was wrong. Should have invested in bottled water companies. Anyway, in their day, somebody from the family had to walk outside of town all the way up to the well to get the water they would use. And they'd hope there'd be water in it because the weather's been kind of dry. So you see, the people of Jesus, these are not just simple little things. These are important needs. And things that they would spend a lot of their time every day pursuing. They would work. They would go out there to tend the fields, to tend the flocks. They would go out to do their jobs so they could get paid. Many times they would get paid in the evening and stop at the market on the way home to buy the food for the next day. For them to have an extra change of clothing. That's good. Forget about a closet. So Jesus is talking about their basic needs. But he's also talking about what they spent most of their life pursuing. So for us today, it may not be that I'm worried about whether I'll have something to drink today. I'm worried about whether I'll get a full meal today. I'm worried about whether i have clothes to wear. But all the other things we talked about, they fit in the same category. They're things that we pursue. And the principle is the same. If you put God first and his priorities for you, he will take care of you. Now, you would think, that's wonderful. That's sort of like somebody saying, hey you know, go out and live life and when your bank account gets low, I'll just put some more in there to take care of whatever you got going. I'd love for that to happen. Not literally, but I mean, to have that promise from God. But you know what? Even as believers, we still struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with really putting God first. With really pursuing what His plan, His will, and His priorities are for me. Why? Because of doubt that it's really going to happen. Because we've got these needs, we think they're needs anyway. We've got these desires. Sometimes we're concerned that, yeah, but that's something I really want, but I don't really know if God wants that for me. So if I put him first, maybe I won't have it. Maybe he won't let me get it. Maybe he won't provide it for me. So we struggle, and then we've got the world and this life. There's so many things that we struggle with. So again, the question, what will you seek first? We find that most people that don't have a relationship with God just pursue whatever makes them happy. Now, that doesn't mean they're selfish because what makes some people happy is to make a difference in other people's lives. What makes some people happy is to help other people, okay? So that's not meant to be a selfish thing, but they don't even take God into consideration. Without God, most people just pursue what makes them happy. So we're talking about today someone who's committed to Christ, someone who's committed to the Lord. The goal anyway is to pursue God and his priorities for their life and for every area of their life, okay? I mean, it's like God, what do you want for me? What do you want for me today? What do you want for me at work? What do you want for me at school? You know, what do you want for me in this relationship? Lord, what is your plan and purpose in 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 my marriage, in my relationship with Whatever other family member, friend, coworker, whoever it might be, what is your will in this decision i'm getting ready? To, this idea is that God you're first, what you think about it is important that's that's the goal I hope we're all working to that's a goal that i 'm working to I 'm not perfect yet, but there are so many people that fall in between. may include some of us in the, here in this room may include some of you that are watching online or watching or listening later. I really do want to serve i got a relationship with God. I'm not doubting, you know, that a person is a Christian if they're struggling with this at all. But I've got a relationship with God. I really want to put him first, but I'm drawn so many different ways and I find myself pursuing stuff and I'm not sure. And really that's what this whole sermon today and this series is all about. How can God help us do what Jesus said? To seek first. You know, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, to to to, to make God's Priorities. And that's the challenge today. The challenge is to passionately pursue what God has for you. Oh, that sounded good. I didn't say it out loud yesterday. That, that just kind of flows and rhymes. Passionately pursue what God has for you. As you live your life, work hard. Study hard. Pursue a career. Enjoy your retirement. Build fantastic relationships with family and friends. Pursue a good life. None of those are bad, but don't make any of those things your first priority. That's what Jesus is challenging us with. And I think it's a great challenge to begin the year with. So why should I do it? Well, it'd be very easy because it's the right thing to do. God created you. You should serve him. You should do what he wants you to do. That's a very valid answer. But I want to give you some more appealing answers than just that. Although I'm sure we have desires. I want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to share with you a couple of benefits of passionately pursuing God and his priorities for your life. They're illustrated, most of them in this passage, others from other places in Scripture. But some, some benefits of passionately pursuing God and his priorities for your life. Number one, God knows and wants what is best for you. I don't mean God knows you. He does know you. But he knows what is best for you. And he wants What is best for you? We don't always believe that because God allows things, causes things, keeps us from having certain things. You know, sometimes he's involved in that. And it's like, but but God, you know, we all think we know what's best for us. So does a two-year-old. Now, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying to say you're like a two-year-old. In many ways, we are compared to God, not like a two-year-old. We're a lot more naive. And Anyway. You know, a two-year-old, a three-year-old think ice cream for every meal would be fantastic, make life wonderful, and in between, your favorite candy. We look at it and say, "That is not good for you." And you, well, I don't even need to tell why it's not good for you. We all understand that. But in God's sight, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God created us, and. Each of us is an individual, but the human race, He knows what's best for us. He knows how He created the world to function in the best way. He knows what's best for us in, in our health issues, in our, in, in our relationships, and in, in, in everything. But we struggle with believing that. But He does. He's not only God, but if we have a relationship with Him, He is our Heavenly Father. And I've said this before, I know that, for some people, that picture is not the best picture because your earthly father was not what he should have been. And that's not meant to bring pain, but because of that, you know what a father should be like. And God is that perfect, good father. God is our heavenly father and he wants what's best for us. Jesus put it this way just to summarize it. In John ten ten: 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, he's talking about eternal life there, but I believe it's an all-encompassing of all that we experience. God, Jesus, wants what's best for us. I've said many times, God's plan for you is better than your plan for you. God's plan for you is much better than your plan for you. It's what you were created for. You know, I look back over my life, so a lot of things I've done, been involved with, and in my pursuit, sometimes successful, sometimes not, of really trying to do what God wanted me to do. There's a lot of choices I made along the way to not do certain things, to not go certain places, to not pursue certain relationships, to not be involved in certain things because I felt like that wasn't what God wanted me to do, or it was something that was very clear from his word, that that's not something God wants any of his people to do. Other people that pursue those things... But I can tell you that looking back after almost 54 years of knowing the Lord since I was 10, I don't have a single regret. Because I have discovered that God really does love me and God really does want what's best for me. And there are times that I pursued a certain thing or wanted a certain thing, and it may not even been a bad thing, but God did not allow it to come my direction or he told me to stop pursuing because it wasn't for me. And I was perhaps disappointed at the time, but I see now looking back, God has always had my best interests at heart. And that's an issue of faith. Are we going to believe that God really does love us, that God really does want what's best for us, and therefore we should listen to him and do what he says? But that would be the first benefit, I would say, from passionately pursuing God and his priorities for your life. The second one is it will keep you from drifting away from your relationship with God. If that's important to you, and I would say that that's probably true for most of you that are here today or most of you that are watching online or you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be watching. But if you have a relationship with God and you want that to be close, you want it to be right, you want to grow in that passionately pursuing Him and His priorities for you will keep you from drifting. And that word drifting is so important because so many times we can drift away from God and it's not even deliberate. I mean, people can make a deliberate choice to go out and sin or a deliberate choice to kind of walk away from church or a deliberate choice to stop doing what God wants them to do. But most of the time, that's not the way it is. It's a drift. Perhaps you've been like me. You've seen people that have a relationship with God, are committed to Him, and they're passionate. And over a period of time, it's like a fire that's bright and blazing and hot, and it just dies down and goes out. And that can happen to us spiritually, but if we make it a point, a priority, the priority, the thing that we seek first, that won't happen. couple of passages, things Jesus said. Jesus told a parable called the parable of the sower or the seed or the soils, whichever title is given in your Bible, but it's all about the sower and the seed and the soils. And the sower goes out to sow the seed, which is God's word. And it falls on different types of soil. And there's different responses. You've got the hard soil where the seed doesn't go underground and the birds take it and eat. It's gone. Got the shallow soil where the seed grows up quick, but then it withers when the sun comes because the roots can't go deep. And then you got the soil where the seed goes in, but there's weeds there. And as the crop grows up and the weeds grow up, the weeds choke it out. And then you got the good soil that is sown and it bears great fruit. And the idea is that as God's word impacts our lives, we want to have that good soil to have the greatest harvest, the greatest benefit from knowing God and hearing from him in his word. But in that third soil, the one where the seeds fall among the weeds that either they haven't grown yet or they're small and so it does sprout up but when the weeds grow up it chokes it. When Jesus explained that to his disciples what that meant in Luke chapter 8 verse 14 he said, as for what fell among the thorns they are those who hear but as they go on their way they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. To go back to my illustration, uh, uh, people that passionate for God and it begins to die, it's because they begin to pursue other things more than they pursue God. Sometimes, I don't want to speculate, there's all different things that can become so important to us that we begin to put more focus, more whatever, it can be a relationship, it can be a possession, it can be... You know, something you decide you like to do, like go camping or boating or skiing or or whatever. And so now, you know, every week, instead of making it a priority, to be with God's people and learning about God. It's like, ah, well, you know, we're going to take one week a month and we'll just skip that and we'll go to the shore. You know, well, you know, that's working. Let's take two weeks a month. Let's. I mean, it may be a silly illustration, but it demonstrates the process that as we begin to seek and pursue something other than God... Or more than God, it can draw us, it can cause us to drift in our relationship from him. There's another story that Jesus told It's in, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. I got myself out of order in my mind. But when Jesus talked to his disciples and he called them, he talked about what it would mean to follow him, he talked about this. In Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We've talked about that many times. It basically means saying, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to say yes to you, God, and if that means saying no to me, then I'm going to say no to me. Now, if I can say yes to you and yes to me at the same time because we agree, That's great. But when there's a disagreement between what you expect or desire and what I want, I'm going to say no to me. I'm going to take up my cross, which to them meant willing to die. But the idea is whatever it costs, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be with you. All right. And he follows that phrase up with this. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That thing's there. If you begin to pursue other things apart from or instead of or more important than God, what if you gain all that stuff and in the process you lose out with God? It's a very real possibility or Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. And i would just add this little side note to those of you who are parents or grandparents or guardians or whatever to think of this not only in terms of your own life, but the lives of the people that you have. Well, actually for all of us, the lives of the people you have influence over. But I'm thinking primarily about children. I see families where they love Jesus and they want their kids to grow up to love Jesus. But if you look at how they plan their children's lives and their activities and their involvements and such, it's like, how are they ever going to really learn to love Jesus? Because they're so involved in school. And I'm not telling you, don't send your kids to school. Send your kids to school. (laughs) Helping to get a good education. But the focus is so much on grades and excellence and scholarship and getting that. And all those things are good things. Please, I'm not downing any of that. But working so hard on that so you can get that scholarship to go to that college, to have that career that the child's spiritual life suffers. Or they push them or allow them, encourage them to get so involved in athletics. And athletics are wonderful. Not bad. But so getting involved in athletics that now we can't go to church this weekend because we got this tournament over here and we can't do it because the practice over there and we can't do this, we can't do that. You have to weigh and balance, pursue those good things, but don't let them become more important than your pursuit of God and help your children to learn to do the same thing. What good will it do if they have a great run in athletics and maybe even make it into the pros or they have a great occupation, they're making a bundle of money, but they end up not serving Jesus, die and go to hell. Again, I'm not telling you, don't let your kids get involved in athletics. Don't pursue them to be excellent and do well in school or any other thing or ballet or whatever it might be. But help them to learn what we're trying to learn. Pursue God first. Make it most important. Third one. There's just four. Benefit to really pursuing God. You may not get all that you think you want, but you will have all that you truly need. That's what God promises. He doesn't promise to give you everything you want, but he promises if you pursue him, he'll give you everything you need. And you can take that to the bank. We've all experienced getting something that we really thought we wanted and it wasn't very long before we were disappointed. Either it wasn't exactly what we thought it would be or it didn't meet the need that we thought it would or it wasn't as satisfying or whatever. It goes back to God knows what's best for us. We should listen to him. But if we passionately pursue him, we may not get everything that we think we want, but we will have all that we truly need. That's what Jesus meant in that main passage, that main verse. 6.33, seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? He's In the context, he's talking about you'll have food to eat, you'll have stuff to drink, you'll have clothes. All your basic needs will be met. So we pursue pursue God. He'll do that. We put God and his priorities first. All the other important facets of your life will be better. Now, this is very, very important. You say, but you know what? If I really pursue God, what will that do to my marriage? You know, if I'm giving so much energy and effort to that, will my marriage suffer? Will my relationship with my kids, what about work? Can I tell you that if you really pursue God and what he wants you to do, you'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better son or daughter. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better student. Pursue God first. The fourth and last one. It leads to eternal reward, not just temporary satisfaction. We can pursue a lot of things in this life and it'll bring satisfaction. We'll enjoy it. And we may even enjoy it the rest of our lives. We, 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 you know, we earn a lot of money and we can do whatever we want. There's no worry about money. But when we get to the end of our life, it's done. But when we pursue God, we're storing up treasures in heaven in fact just a couple of verses before the passage we just read that's what jesus talks about in matthew 6:19 to 21 he says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also pursue god and his priorities you I mean, have all the things you think you want, but you can have all you need. But as you do that, you are storing up treasure in heaven. And that caused questions for Jesus' disciples. It causes questions for us. Well, God, if we pursue following you, what's going to happen to us? You know, what's that gonna mean? I mean, maybe I won't make as much money and this, that, and the other. You know, things have to change. What's that gonna be like? And there's a story. This is what I referred to earlier. I went to too early. But there's a story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, that talk about this rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, you know, what do I need to do to be, you know, inherit eternal life? Be pleasing to God, whatever. And and Jesus says, well, you know what the commandments are? You know, just obey God. He says, but I've been doing that. You know, ever since I was little. That's been my passion to do what God wants me to do. I've been keeping the commandments. And I'm telling this story in my own words. And it says, and I think Luke, that Jesus, it says that Jesus loved him. And in in Jesus' mind and his heart and his direction, he said, I'm going to ask him to be a disciple. She says, I'll tell you what. If that's really your heart, that's really your passion, you really want to be pleased, you want to make a difference, sell all that stuff you got because it's holding you back, give it to the poor, it'll meet some needs, come, be with me. And the rich young ruler said, all right. No, he didn't. It says he just walked away sad because he had so much stuff. And it doesn't say it in the text, but his stuff had chained him, had put him in bondage. But that illustrates is that we need to pursue God whatever he has for that. Now, that same call wouldn't be true for everybody. God allows some people to be rich, and he uses them to do all kinds of great things. and It's different for each person, but are we willing to let go of the thing that's most important to us other than God? But when he said that, Jesus said, you know, it's really hard for rich people to get in heaven. It's actually hard for anybody to get in heaven because it takes Jesus to get there. You when know, you trust in Jesus, it's easy to get there. Um, just not always easy to live out. But anyway, he says hard for rich people. And the idea being that there's so much stuff they want to cling to instead of pursuing God. And um in their society, they thought the rich people were the ones that were blessed by God, so they must be closest to God. So if they can't get to heaven, what's going to happen? And and and, and so Peter, he, he he comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 to 31. So Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything to follow. He's like, that guy was rich and he wouldn't do it. Well, we're not rich, but, you know, we we did that. What's going to happen to us? Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. He says, it's not going to be easy. And in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. People that are first in this life, they don't pursue God. They're going to end up last. People who may be seen to be last in this life because they're pursuing God and because of it, they don't have all this stuff, that whatever, whatever. But you know what? They're secure with God and they have an eternity you can't beat. But Peter says, what about us? We've left everything. And in Jesus' response, without digging too deeply, he's basically saying, it doesn't matter what you've left, it will be worth it. It'll be worth it in eternity, but it'll even be worth it in this life. And you know, the disciples, Jesus was talking to all of them, except for Judas, who was a traitor and took his own life, and John, who died at an old age. All of them died horrific deaths because they followed Jesus. But I would venture to say, because I've not interviewed them yet, I'll talk to them when I get to heaven. That if you could talk to them and say, was it worth it? Was Jesus right? they say, yes. We didn't get rich or whatever, but because of our relationship with Jesus and the peace and the joy and the love and all those other things, and now eternity with God, it was well, well, worth it. Sort of like saving for retirement. If you do it well, you're glad when you get to retirement. If you don't, you may have fun along the way, but you're going to be hurting when you get there. Eternity is much more significant than retirement. So as we wrap this up, I first want to ask this, because all these statements, all this stuff we've looked at has to do with God's children. And I want to ask you, are you God's child? Some would say, "Aren't?" isn't everybody a child of God? Biblically, no. God wants everyone to be his child. God is not everyone's father. He is everyone's creator. But the Bible is very clear that the sin in our lives has broken that relationship with God and from, from the time we were born, okay? I mean, we may have senses of God, believe certain things about God, whatever, but we truly do not have a relationship with God because of our sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why Jesus, God himself, came, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, was to pay the price for our sins. And so before you even start thinking about, am I going to really pursue God, if you don't know God, the first step is to know him. And I today would challenge you to commit your life to Christ. What does that look like? The Old Testament prophets said to be right with God, you need to repent and believe. John the Baptist shows up and says, you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you've got to repent and believe. Jesus shows up and begins to proclaim the kingdom of God, says, you need to repent and believe. On the day of Pentecost, Peter says, you want to be right with God, you've got to repent and believe. It's just that simple. You need to recognize I am a sinner and repent. Say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. But you've got to believe that God will forgive you because of what Jesus did. And you put your trust in Him. So that's the most important thing you can do today if you have not yet done that, is to accept Jesus Christ. Invite Him to be your Savior. Make Him Lord and begin to live for Him. I'll come back to that. But for the rest of us, the whole focus of this message is what will you seek first? Title of the message, what will you seek first? No matter what's happened in the past, it's a new day, it's a new week, it's a new year. What will you seek first? first this year but that comes down to what will you seek first this month which comes down to what will you seek first this week which comes down to what will you seek first today you see it's a day by day by day process what will you seek first it's a choice you've got to be deliberate it won't happen by accident you don't pursue God by saying I'm going to live life and when I find time no you got to make choices Say, well, pastor, how do we do that? What does that look like? That's what we're going to talk about in the next three sermons. We're going to take that verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you got two things right there. God's kingdom and God's righteousness. That's the third and fourth messages. What's the next message? If we're going to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, first of all, we got to seek God. So next week, we're going to talk about seeking God first. What does that mean? The Bible talks about that a lot. Then we're going to talk about seeking God's kingdom first. And then we're going to talk about seeking God's righteousness. But today, the big challenge is, are you willing to say, I'm in? That's what I want. I want, wherever I am right now, whatever I've been doing in the past, I want to pursue God and His plans and His priorities for me before and above anything else. I want to do everything else with excellence. I want to be a good... Husband, father, whatever, wife, whatever it might be. I want to do good at work. I want to do good at school. I want to, you know, have all those things. But I'm going to put God first. Put God first. I want to surrender to him. Let's all stand together. We just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And before I go on with anything else, I just want to ask, are you here today? And you'd say, Pastor, you were talking about me a minute ago. I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because I've repented of my sins and I put my trust in him. I've tried to be a good person, whatever it is you've tried to do or whatever, but today God's speaking to your heart and he's saying you need to surrender your life. You need to repent of that sin in your life. But the good news is God says I'll forgive you because of what Jesus did. And if that's you, you can say, today is the day I want to become a Christian. That's what it means. I want to be saved, born again, spiritual terms, but it all just means I want to turn to God and put my trust in what he's done about my sin and have a relationship with him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up because I want to pray with you and pray for you. Anybody say, that's me today. I, I want Jesus more than anything else in my life. See a hand. Anybody else? A couple of hands. A couple of hands. All right. All right. There may be those who are watching online. They say that's me too. So I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want to encourage you to pray something similar to what I'm praying, because you're the one that has to do the praying, okay? But just go to God and say, God, today you've spoken to my heart. I recognize that I am a sinner. And my sin separates me from you. And I ask that you please forgive me, not because I'm so good or because I can earn it or whatever but because Jesus came and died to pay the price for my sins. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus is God and he came and he died for my sins, he was buried and he rose again to new life and you want me to have new life. So I accept that today in Jesus' name and I pray that you would help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I would love to talk with you about what the next steps need to be. You need to, you need to follow him by, by going to church and reading your Bible and praying and all that kind of stuff. We've got some stuff we can give you to help you pursue that relationship. But right now, the worship team is going to begin to lead us in some songs. And I just want to challenge those of us that know Jesus. If, you, if, this heart, if this message stirred your heart and you say, God's speaking to me and I just want to commit myself to pursue him. I don't know what that's going to look like just yet. I'm not sure how good I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to need some help. But that's the way I feel. I want to pursue Him. I want to invite you to come down and just begin to pour that out to Him. I'd love to come pray with you. You got some other elders that might would like to pray with you too. But go ahead and come right now if that's your heart. God's dealing with your heart. I want to pursue Him. I want Him to be first. I want what He wants first. I want His priorities in my life. I want to be the man He wants me to be. I want to be the woman He wants me to be. I want to be that husband, that wife. I want what He wants. invite you to come just a couple of moments either we'll close in prayer we'll say we're not closing in prayer because we're seeking God just go home when you want to go home but if that's your heart come respond in Jesus name I'm going to ask the worship team to continue to play and sing and I just want to let's say when you're ready to go you go Go in God's blessing. Go into a great new year serving him. But I'm going to ask him to keep playing this thing because some of you might want to seek God longer. Some of you didn't come down. You might say, you know what? I should have gone down. I want to go down. You may want to find a different place to play. pray right where you are. I just want to encourage you not to be in a hurry to leave, but apply this message to your life by talking to God about it. If you want somebody to pray with you or talk with you, we're here. God bless you. When you choose to leave, leave. If you enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study, for more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.